This podcast is about introducing our fans to the animals, plants, and other products that we work with at Josh's Frogs. It's an opportunity to paint a picture of our hobby that is refreshing. We want you guys to be successful with the animals that you're keeping, and we want our hobby to grow ethically and sustainably into the future. Hello and welcome to the Josh's Frogs podcast. Today I have Geo. We're going to talk about morning geckos. Uh, but before we get talking about that, I wanted to say that the Josh's Frogs podcast is sponsored by Josh's Frogs. We're your one-stop shop for everything uh, reptile and amphibian uh, related. We carry everything from the animals that we breed in-house uh, to the food that those animals eat from feeder insects uh, to dry foods and then all the supplies you need to take care of those animals. The cool thing about us is that we're shipping all from one location. So you can get your box of crickets, your light bulb, and your crested gecko food all in one box uh, from us. So kind of unique in that way. We also like to make uh, keeping those animals easy. So we produce a lot of video podcasts like this um, and some how-to guides and care sheets and that kind of stuff. We want to make uh, keeping these animals easy. Uh, so we try to create a lot of content around that uh, to make it easy and uh, um, have a customer service team that's always available to, to help out as well, too. So uh, without further ado, Geo, we kind of explain... Um, how you heard about Josh's frogs and how you got started here and when that was that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I'd heard about Josh's frogs, uh, when I was in college, um, I was part of the, uh, MSU herpetology club and Josh's frogs had shown up at multiple events throughout the years. Um, just to collaborate with the herp club and show off the cool stuff. Um, later on, uh, my girlfriend ended up getting a job here working in the tree frog and toad department. And she recommended that it was a great place to work with some species that I was really passionate about. Um, I really like day geckos. We do a lot of day geckos here. And so it just seemed like a natural fit. Cool, cool. Now, how long ago was that that you actually started working here at Justice Park? Was one year and eight months. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Cool. Now, pretend you're talking to our aunts and uncles that don't know anything about keeping uh, day geckos and that kind of stuff. Can you explain, like, what are the tasks that you're doing on a weekly basis? Like, what are you, what are you doing? What is it taking care of the animals? What does that actually mean? What are you doing? Okay. Um, well, obviously, feeding and misting are the two. Uh, feeding, misting, and cleaning are the three biggest tasks. And from there, it's a lot of smaller and smaller, smaller tasks um, from taking care of the food, making sure it's well-fed and uh, taken care of, um, keeping the room clean, uh, I mean, general sweeping, uh, researching our animals is a big part. There's always ways to improve your husbandry, always ways to improve, the, improve their enclosures, um, and it just kind of spirals from there. Cool. Um, Cool. A lot of times, even um, some uh, troubleshooting and, and trying to figure out issues and trying to figure out what new ways of uh, doing things. Absolutely. Been really cool. Cool. So today we're going to talk about morning geckos. Can you, to somebody who's never heard of a morning gecko, like what is a morning gecko? What is, what is it? Okay. So morning geckos are a small species of gecko from Southeast Asia. They are, well, I have one with me right here. Rather small. Um, they are a, colonizer species which means their niche is to uh hip like raft from island to island and colonize new areas so they're rather generalist in their needs uh they no one's actually sure exactly what island they started on in southeast asia <laughs> but we know the end result is that they're pretty much everywhere in southeast asia as well as um uh since humans have 
you know, created global shipping. They've also hitched a ride into the Neotropics in Central and South America, as well as I think they've just started to colonize Florida. Wow. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. They uh, tend to be pretty prolific and uh, tend to be pretty uh, resilient as well, too. Talk about size. Like, how big is a uh, morning gecko when it comes out of the egg? And then how big uh, do they grow as they uh, get older? Um, right out of the egg, I mean, they're little bitty things. Um, maybe about inch, inch and a half, and very, very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is probably the largest female that we have. Um, oh, another neat thing about morning geckos is uh, they're well known for being parthenogenetic, which is a fancy word for they don't require a male to reproduce. They are an almost entirely female species. Um, males are a very, very rare occurrence and are almost always sterile. So they just, instead of having a combination of two individuals' genetic material, it's just a every baby is a clone of their mother. That is really cool and unique. A lot of people will uh, confuse it when we're talking about morning geckos. They're like, what does that have to do with the morning? Like, good morning. Like, what does that have to do with? Uh, and uh, like, I always point out, like, hey, it's morning. Like, they're really sad because there's no males. And then everybody laughs and like, I don't think they're really sad about that. I don't think they're just fine. <laughs> I've, I've yet to figure out. I've heard that it was one of the peoples that are from their native range named them that. But I've not been able to figure out which one. Interesting. Interesting. That's so cool. Now, they're gecko. Like, Talk about how are they different than keeping some of the other geckos? Like I know you um, work with some day geckos. How are these different than day geckos? But then some of the common geckos that are part of our hobby, crested geckos, leopard geckos, those kind of things, uh, toke geckos. Mm-hmm. How are these different or similar than some of those other geckos? Um, so in terms of care for like a, a toke or a crusty or a um, day gecko, they're similar in that they uh, care much more about vertical height than horizontal. They're an arboreal species as many sticks and logs and branches opportunities for them to climb, they'll use them. Um, high humidity, like tokes, crested's, day geckos. Um, where they differ from, say, example, day geckos is that they are... There's been arguments on whether they're crestpuscular or cathemeral. They mean very similar things. Uh, I personally believe they're more cathemeral based on what we see with our breeders, where they are active for short periods of time throughout the day uh, and night. You'll see them basking for short periods of time and then they'll go to sleep and then they'll wake up a little bit, go look for some food and then go to sleep again. And um, Which makes them a lot uh, better captives than some of the nocturnal lizards yeah. that, that you just don't experience them interacting in their cage. Exactly. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like a crusty, which is probably going to be asleep most of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Um, how, what are we feeding morning geckos? They tend to be a smaller gecko. What, what are they eating on a regular uh, basis here at Dr. Frog? Uh, at Josh's, we feed uh, the adults uh, twice a week. We feed them rapashi, various flavors work, whether it be the uh, the grub and fruit mix or the Crested Gecko diet. They are not too picky about it. Um, we feed that once a week, and then we feed a large serving of crickets, uh, gut-loaded crickets, once a week. Generally enough so that if there are any dominance issues in a colony, the less dominant ones have enough on day two or three to pick at them. So you talk about crickets. What size crickets are we feeding uh, to those guys? These guys, uh, I feed quarter inch. Quarter inch. Okay. Cool. Cool. You talked a little bit about breeding and and being parthenogenic. Like, how do you get them to start laying eggs? And and talk about the breeding process. How do they how do they uh, glue their eggs? And how do they take care of babies and that kind of stuff? 
So getting them to breed is not all that hard. <laughs> um, essentially, if they're not dying, they are breeding. <laughs> um, but what the breeding looks like for these guys is, or gals, uh, sometimes they'll pseudocopulate, sometimes not. As long as they can see another female, they'll just start producing eggs. Um, after they're done gestating, you can actually see, I don't know if you can probably see from this distance, once the eggs are fully shelled, you can actually see them through their stomach. Um, then they'll lay them on essentially any hard surface, whether it be wood, rock, a little tube you provided for them, the tank wall. They'll they'll cement their egg to that surface until it's ready to hatch. Do you um, how long until they hatch? Like, what's the gestation period? Um, with the temperatures we have here, uh, two to three months. Okay, generally on the lower end of that. Cool, cool, and then. When they're hatching out, how often are are the mothers eating the young? Like, is that a common occurrence? Does it happen fifty percent of the time? What's what's the mortality they, rate if we're keeping them in the, the I, with the parent? I wish I had that number. <laughs> um, I can say that the mothers try quite often. They don't. They're not successful very often. Usually, they'll just get part of the tail, mm-hmm. and then the baby will get away. Um, I would recommend separating them if you want to keep the babies. Cool. Cool. Now you talked a little bit about um, them laying on the surface of the glass. Um, is there a way to get the eggs off the glass that, that you know of uh, to, to to protect them, or or is it hey, you just really need to provide enough spots of uh, stuff that you can take out of the cage if you need to? I've not found a way that's safe and consistent. Yeah. Um, to, if they're on the glass, if it, if they're really weakly glued, sometimes they'll just fall off when you poke them. Mm-hmm. I'm not usually that lucky. <laughs> so there's a few options that you can uh, go with if you want to make sure that you can collect those eggs. You can provide lots of like bark that overlaps each other for them to wedge themselves into, lay into those crags, or you can provide um, like tubes that you can remove from the tank for them to lay eggs in. Or if per se, they lay their eggs on the glass, you can try to tape a cup with holes in it over the top of that egg. And just try to keep that cup humid if you can. Um, haven't tried that last method all that much, but I've heard it suggested. Oh, interesting. And so you kind of remove the cup once the eggs are, are hatching and yeah. keep the baby in there. That's a cool idea. I love that idea. Cool. Now, people have been known to keep these with other animals. Like, what are some considerations that you'd need to keep in mind when you're keeping these with other animals? And they're kind of the poster child for cohabitation and the uh herp um, hobby right now what are some things you'd keep in mind if you're gonna keep them with other animals um i'm always cautious when it comes to cohabiting animals however day ge- or morning geckos are one of those exceptions where it works surprisingly well mm-hmm. um they don't seem to pay all that much attention to amphibians from what i've found assuming they're not small enough to eat yep I wouldn't put these with a baby dart frog yeah. <laughs> um, but assuming everyone's you know outside of feeding range and whatnot uh they work really well with dart frogs. I imagine they work just as well with mantellas. Yeah, I, I assume. Yep. Um mainly because dart frogs are primarily using the ground. A day or morning geckos are using the uh the vertical aspects of the tank. They're active at opposite ends of the day, so they're not really competing much for space. The only things I would keep in mind are make sure that whatever you're feeding the morning geckos isn't gonna hurt the dart frogs. Mm-hmm. And make sure you have enough ventilations for your morning geckos to breathe. Yep. That's, yep. That's really the only point of conflict. Cool. Cool. Um, 
since you're feeding the morning geckos uh, the rapashi, another consideration is that that tends to be a uh, a magnet for the fruit flies when you're keeping uh, dart frogs. So something to keep in mind too that it, it's going to attract all the dart frogs uh, to the rapashi foods as well too. You talked a little bit about caging. What size cage are you putting them in, and then like how many are you putting in one single cage? How are you guys uh, housing them? Um, what I would recommend for uh, our customers and for people keeping morning geckos is generally speaking three to four in a 12 by 12 by 18 um glass terrarium generally speaking i try to give these guys more space than i don't know i I would say the industry standard we're trying to improve husbandry yep um they are a social species so you can keep them together and they will interact they will posture and display and they like to chirp to each other and communicate it's very Mm -hmm. entertaining but just like people, they do like their space. Everyone wants to have their little little territory. So I tr- I tend to err on the side of bigger is better. Cool, cool. Now you talked about space in the terrarium. How are you setting them up? Like what are, what are some of the things that are in the cage uh, with them? So different aspects of the tank are set up for different um to meet different needs. Uh, down near the bottom of the tank, I would recommend like. Probably stacking various layers of bark or cork or something like that um, and or dense plant vegetation just to give them a nice place to retreat to if they get spooked. Whereas higher up, just branches, branches or logs or bamboo, something for them to climb on, something for them to bask on when they want to. I like to think uh, the aquarium analogy. When you have an aquarium, your fish can use 100% of that space. Mm -hmm. When you have a gecko, they need something to climb on. They can't swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Blanket air space is, is worthless uh, when it comes to, to uh, terrestrial. Cool. All right. Um, what about temperature, humidity, and how much are you misting? Like, how are you managing temps um, and humidity in the with those guys, and what are you trying to aim for? Um, with these guys, uh, we're lucky enough that our room is pretty good ambient temperature that we don't need supplemental heating. Um, what was it? 75 to 80 degrees is a good okay. benchmark for temperature. Um, if you put a basking spot on there, I don't think they would mind. I just don't know how much they would use it. Gotcha. Um, as for humidity, 75 to 85%, just keeping it consistent. Um, I recommend both manually misting and a misting system. The misting system we use is to help maintain those humidity levels, whereas manually misting is to uh, spike it. Cool, cool. Now, I noticed that 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 girl has a very yellow belly. Like, are there different color variations among uh, morning geckos? And I know there's Hawaiian ones now as well, too. So can you talk a little bit about some differences in just appearance among those that we didn't talk about earlier? So morning geckos have a variety of morphs. to my understanding, different people call them different things. Some people call them like type A, B, C, or D. We use more common names here. Uh, there's the generic morning gecko, which it's the generic morning gecko. It's <laughs> it's brown with black blotching and uh, generally a lighter belly. Um, then you have your yellow bellies, which is what I have here, uh, which tend to have more warm-toned brown on their back as well as a bright, bright yellow and speckled belly. Um, yeah, she's all fired up right now. 
Uh, I don't know how that rec- how that correlates to locale, but mm. it is it's mainly based on morph. Yep. Uh, Hawaiians, on the other hand, are mainly known from Hawaii. <laughs> They're known for having uh, extra blotches on their shoulders and their hips, uh, dark blotches. And then high expressions are a morph of a morph, essentially, of Hawaiians, where they have a variety of dark blotches just all over their back and more irregular patterning. Oh, cool. Cool. All right. Um, talk about care as in, like, what are what do most people get wrong or what? how do people, what's the big mistake that people make when they're setting up? You mentioned one was, like, providing open air space that's useless to them. What are some other things that keep in mind that the people might mistakenly set them up incorrectly? Um, what are some things to keep in mind? Um, I think the biggest thing for morning geckos is a lot of people assume that since it's a, they're active a lot during the night that they don't need UVB. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, I've found quite the opposite when they're provided UVB, they are basking a considerable portion of the day. Yeah. And it might not just be, it might not be open basking, but they'll have a leg out or their tail out, or sometimes even their whole body out just right underneath that light as close as they can get. And I found that it tends to correla- correlate to more healthy individuals. Oh, cool. Um, cool. Cool. Awesome. Um, hard, easy. How would you put these in comparison to other animals that are in our hobby? How hard or easy are they uh, to keep it compared to, to other types of geckos or other types of uh, exotic pets? This is probably the easiest lizard to keep on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> like, they have, they have conditions they prefer. But even if you're new to the hobby or new to keeping reptiles, they're a very forgiving species. Um, good for learning what you're supposed to be uh, aiming for. Oh, cool, cool. Anything else we should know about uh, morning geckos uh, before we move on to the lightning round? Anything you want to say about morning geckos? Um, let me just check this real quick. <laughs> I have notes, and this is what they're for. Um, awesome. Then we'll do the lightning round. All right, uh, give us the first thing that comes into your mind when, when I ask these questions. If you can't think of anything, we can pass on one, but just give me what's coming to your mind first off. So if money and space were no issue, you had unlimited money, unlimited space, what's the one animal uh, that you would keep? A caiman lizard. Really? They're fantastic animals. They look like a crocodilian, but a lizard. <laughs> but they need a massive water feature, yep. a massive terrestrial area, and a massive vertical area. <laughs> They are, and their diet's difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe one day. (laughs) All right, besides Josh's frogs, what's one business or breeder that's doing some amazing stuff? Either a really cool product or a breeder that's doing some really cool things with animals. Who's somebody you'd give a shout out to? Um, I've had really good uh, interaction with Rep Room. Oh, cool. They do really a really good job with a variety of niche day gecko species. A lot of species we don't keep here. Cool. Like um, Sunbergii, uh, Metagascrensis, and uh, Borbonica especially. They have some really nice Borbonica. Oh, cool. Cool. Awesome. All right. What was your first pet that you ever had? It was a blue gourami, which is a blue fish from, blue tropical fish from Southeast Asia, about this big. They got these little, like, fin rays that trail down beneath them it was a cool fish <laughs> that's cool that's a unique first fish for most people will not get that usually it's a goldfish guppies or some live bear that's cool that's cool all right in the entire world what is your favorite animal or plant like in the entire world what's the coolest animal or plant without a doubt the indian gharial 
and I'm probably mispronouncing that. There's a lot of ways, but <laughs> you know the one. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And what about that? I've always adored crocodilians. They're wonderful. And I don't really know how, how else to describe other than they're just fantastic animals. Um, they, Gariel is so unique. Their life history is very strange among crocodilians. They're one of the largest on the planet, and yet they only eat fish. Yeah. Like, you could... <laughs> this is not advice, but I wouldn't be surprised if you could swim with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. All right. Um, When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Whatever Steve Irwin was. Yeah. Uh, Which, I, as I've gotten... As I've gotten older i realize is somewhere in between zoo curator and fishes and wildlife manager so cool yeah cool cool all right if you had a free hour no one's bothering you it's just you what are you doing with that free hour what's your what's your your free time activity that you love to do i think i'd probably go with painting really yeah well, that's cool that's cool all right last question probably the hardest question Got a bunch of people that are listening to you. What's the one advice or reminder that you would give uh, to people if you had everybody's ear for for a few seconds? What would you What would you tell them? A lot of people in my life have said that nice guys finish last, and my response to that is kindness is not a weakness. Yeah, it will get you farther in life than you ever really know, and it's not immediately apparent. Um, Cool. Thank you, Gio. Um, if you are ever on Josh's Frogs checking out some of the stuff um, that Gio does, so that's um, any of the day geckos, morning geckos, that kind of stuff, the, the what I like to call the warmer uh, geckos for us, um, you can see him uh, doing some of that. He's doing videos, uh, lives, that kind of stuff. Um, but then also some of the writing as well, too, on um, our website and whatnot. So uh, check him out on there. Otherwise, thank you, Gio, for educating us on morning geckos. It's been fun. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoy this content and want to stay up to date, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us across social media. We always want to bring you the best content, so let us know if you, what you think in the comments. And for all your reptile and amphibian needs, be sure to check us out at joshesfrogs.com. We have an amazing selection. Until next time, stay curious, stay froggy, and keep exploring. <laughs>